Our Bible reading tonight is from Zephaniah, just for something completely different. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honour in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honour and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Thanks, Nikki. Um, hello, everybody. My name's Paul, one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, it's my great privilege to be able to share from God's word with you uh, tonight. But first, I want to start with a statement. Weddings are great. Don't you think? Weddings are great. Of course, what's not, what's not to like about weddings? I mean, uh, they're a day full of so much joy, Everyone gets to dress up. Uh, you get a huge feast of lovely food at the reception. But there is one thing, one thing um, that can be a little bit hit or miss at a wedding. Can you guess what it might be? Someone says speech. I reckon getting in one. Speeches. Yeah, speeches can go a little bit sideways. You never know what's going to happen. Um, so one day, I was at a wedding reception. Uh, and it was the bride's turn to speak. She took the microphone, music started to play, and she proceeded to serenade her new husband in front of everyone. Well, I wasn't expecting that. But you know what? It was a hit. It wasn't a miss. There was something so memorable about it. or something so powerful and quite surprising. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever had the opportunity uh, for a loved one to serenade them. Well, actually, I do know of at least one person in a number that has been serenaded in public. Do you remember a week away, a couple of years ago, when Kath Breen suddenly stood up in front of everyone in the talent night and said, I've got a special song to sing, and it's for one person in particular, her husband, Nick. Now, it was a lovely moment. It was a lovely moment because, um, well, it does help that Kath's a lovely singer. <laughs> so it went well. But it's incredibly powerful to hear people sing songs about the depths of their love and relationship with another person. And to be willing to not just do that in private, but to do it in public, to sing out loud for everyone to hear. 
It's such a powerful signal of the depth of that relationship. Now, I guess very few of us, if maybe none, have ever been serenaded, let alone had a song written about you. But our Bible passage today tells us something even more powerful because this passage tells us of a song that has been written for each and every one of you and for me. It's a song that is the most tender of love songs. It's a song that's wonderfully intense because it's about a deep relationship and it's a song about us. And the most amazing part about that song is that the singer is God himself. It's God's song. And we read about it there in verse 17. Got it here on the screen for you again. On the screen. Coming soon. Yeah, here it is. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And I bet you that is an incredible verse. What an incredible verse. And in order for it to sink into our hearts, I think we need to stop right now and pray that God would help us for this word to sink into our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for your great promises. And Lord, what a promise we're looking at tonight. Lord, please help us to have soft hearts to hear of your great love for us that it would grip us and change us so that we might walk with you in great joy and peace in believing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you want to put, uh, put that screen back up again? Thanks. That was just there a second ago. Yeah, here we go. Look at it again. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. He is the Lord God, the maker of all things, the ruler of all things. He is the one who spoke the entire universe into being. He's the one that keeps it going by his powerful word. His voice is mighty. It's immense. So much so that he's able to call stars and planets into their orbit and to keep them there by his word. When he says, let there be light, there is light out of nothing. He creates the universe with his voice and in this verse we hear he uses his voice to sing. To sing a song of love and delight. To sing a song about you. Isn't that the most humbling and most wonderful thing? Now it's something that we could never deserve of ourselves. Uh, it was something that uh, the people in Zephaniah's day needed to understand. You see, here we have the God speaking through his prophet Zephaniah and he speaks to his people to expose the fact that they had ignored him, that he, they had mistreated him. Here is a God who delights over them, but they have failed to delight in him. Instead, they deny him. We see a summary of what God's people are like um, back in the first chapter of Zephaniah, verse 6. I've got it here on screen for us. Here we go. He speaks of a people who are those who turn their back from following the Lord and neither seek the Lord nor inquire of him. 
Here are people who don't want to know God. They don't want to know God for themselves. They don't want to know what that means for their lives. They don't care what he thinks of how they live or what they do. And when they do get around to thinking about God, what they think up about him is completely wrong. Have a look here at the end of chapter 1, verse 12 here on screen. They are those who are complacent, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. You see, the God uses the prophet Zephaniah here to expose what the people of Judah are like. They are people who think that God doesn't care and they don't think it matters. They are those who think little of God and of God they think little. Now we can read these words and think, well, that was written a long, long time ago, thousands of years ago. In Zephaniah's time, that was a very different world back then. But when we read these words, we know that really we're no different. These words could so easily be written about us. I mean, just think for a moment. How much time did you give to God last week? How much did you think about him? At home or in the workplace? How much did you recognise his ownership of this world? How thankful were you for all the good things that you have? How much did you think about him in the actions that you took or the decisions that you've made? Friends, just as we rejoice uh, in the picture of God's delight of chapter 3, we are also sobered by the picture that is so accurate of us from this first chapter of Zephaniah. It could be an accurate description of ourselves. We are those who so easily turn back and neither seek nor inquire of God. And so the response that God tells us through this prophet is this. He calls us to be silent, to be quiet. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 7, uh, here on the screen. Coming now. Be silent, it says. Before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. This, the whole of this prophet Zephaniah paints this dreadful, awesome picture of the day of the Lord, the day when God will come and actually bring judgment upon those who have rejected him. And the only appropriate response we see there is to be silent. And yet, that's the hard part, isn't it? It's so hard to remain silent. And I don't mean um, just being silent in the busyness of this world. We've got mobile phones that are always pinging off and letting us know about something. It's not, not just the busyness of this world. It's so hard to be silent when we want to give an excuse. Have you ever watched the process of uh, a mum or a dad disciplining a young child? There we have mum or dad with little Johnny and they're saying, you just need to say sorry. No ifs or buts, just sorry. And you can see the child there going red in the face with all the effort to try not to blurt out an excuse. And might laugh at that little picture of a little child, but we are no different. We want to come to say, to God, we want to come to him and say, yes, but, no, but, yes, but, but you don't know how hard it is for me. 
I was going to get around to doing that. My circumstances are different. Life's been tricky. I've been so busy and overwhelmed. How quickly do we look for an excuse? And yet when we come face to face with the way we've treated God, the call is zip it. Remain silent. And you know, the amazing thing is that when we actually come silent before Almighty God, when we come to him with no excuses, instead admitting our failure, laying it out all before him, it's that in that silence we hear God's song and not his judgment. And you've got to ask yourself, well, how can this be? How can we move from one to the other? How can we know God's song and not his judgment? Well, the answer is actually found in God's silence. Have a look again here, chapter 3, verse 17 on the screen. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves, who will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Literally, that highlighted part of the verse there that I've shown for you uh, means this. In his love, he is silent. He is silent in his judgment. He is silent in his accusation against his people. But hang on a second. If you had a chance to read all of Zephaniah, it's three chapters. It's basically 90% of it is all about the wrongs that people have done. It's full of accusation. We're, we're taken into the courtroom of heaven and the charges are read out and the guilt of all the people is plain. It's laid bare for all to see. And the response to these charges is silence. God the judge does not accuse. Where there should have been accusation, there is silence. But how, you ask? I mean, have the people done something? Have they, have they found one last piece of evidence that can save them? No. They have done nothing. They have done nothing to remove the guilt before God. But God has acted is because God has taken away the charges against us. The Lord has done it. The Lord has done it in his kindness, his compassion, in his goodness. He removes the punishment that is upon us and brings peace. Again, that's all very well and nice, but how? How does that happen? How does the mercy and kindness of God overflow to a broken and sinful person like you? And me. Zephaniah, the prophet, well, he doesn't spell that out. He doesn't explain how, he ha- how it happens. Just states it. For that, we need to look forward. We have to take that old promise and look forward to where it gets fulfilled, to 600 years or more later, to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, it's, it's at that point when Jesus comes that verse 17 is fully fulfilled. Those words ring true that the Lord your God is with you. It's true as God himself comes in human form as Emmanuel, as God with us, as he comes into our world, he is with us. And he walks this earth And he heals the sick. 
he calms the storm, he feeds the hungry, he raises the dead. And we see him as the one who is powerful, who is mighty. But most of all, we see him, the one who is mighty to save. Because he comes with a mission. He comes with a mission, as we sang earlier, to go to a cruel Roman cross and there take the punishment that we rightly deserve. You see, how can verse 15, I've got it here on screen for us here, verse 15. No, a bit before that one, that one. How can this be true? How can it be true that the Lord has taken away your punishment? Well, it's because he's taking the punishment on himself. And he did so silently. And he did so deliberately. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross so that we might know the joy of God. And rather than his judgment, it is in Christ, it is through Christ that we can hear God singing over us. And so, if we truly know that love, then what will we do? Well, we'll sing. We'll sing in response. Have a look at here, verse 14. It says there, sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad. Rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. Hear the prophet saying four times in four different ways. He's saying sing, sing, shout, be glad, re rejoice. And in case you haven't got that, he says, don't just sing, but do it with all of your heart. Now, this, of course, means, yeah, I'll sing loudly with feeling, but there's something deeper. To do it with all your heart is to sing with all of your being, to offer yourself as a whole person, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Remember that one from Romans? That's singing with all of your heart. What ask? Do you think you've truly come to grips with what God is saying to us in verse 17? That God is the one that takes great delight in you. That he rejoices over you with singing and then he'll no longer rebuke you. I mean, to be honest, I mean, it's not always easy to have a song in your heart. It's not always easy to have that. Because life isn't always easy. Life can be hard. And sometimes it's going to be even harder as a Christian. But knowing that God delights in us, knowing that he sings over us, should produce in us a desire to delight in even the darkest of times. Now, of course, it's not always appropriate to burst into song. I mean, there are certain times times of life where times are tragic. But I suspect, I suspect, the reason why many of us don't feel like we have a song is because we really haven't grasped that God is singing. It may be the case that you're still looking into this. You might be there, sitting there thinking, is there really a God out there? And if he is there, then what does he think of me? How could he delight in someone like me? 
Well, what does God's word say? He is speaking to you now saying, yes, I delight in you through the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think for most of us here tonight, um, it's probably the case that we've been Christian for many, many years. But you might still be thinking, I don't know if I've got this song in my heart. I feel dry. Joy is far from me. Friends, if that is you, then hear again these truths. And don't just hear them. Let them sink down deep. Like they say, sometimes the hardest journey is from the head to the heart. As we hear this, don't just hear facts, but know them to be true. That God takes great delight in you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is true for you if you've put your trust in him. Yet so many of us can start to think that God looks upon me in anger, in disappointment, maybe in pity. Friends, God rejoices over you with singing. He takes great delight in you. In his love, he'll no longer rebuke you. We need to hear those words. We need to know those words. We need to pray those words that the Holy Spirit might take those words and let them soak into our very being and permeate the whole of who we are. We need to hear them again and again and commit them to memory. For in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him, this incredible promise is true for you. Jesus comes not as the mighty warrior who comes to judge. He'll be the mighty warrior who is mighty to save. He sings over you now, this very moment, this very day, this very minute. God sings over you in love. I pray that each one of us would really know this deep in our hearts, now and for always. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you that you are a mighty warrior. You are holy and just. And yet in your love, you are a mighty warrior who is mighty to save. Lord, we pray that you would help us to know that in the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his death and resurrection, we can know that you take great delight in us and that you rejoice over us in singing. Lord, we pray that this assurance would so well up within us that we would have a song on our lips and a commitment of our whole heart that speaks of praise to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.